You know, we're ending our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus does at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is he, he challenges people. He calls them to account. And he says, where are you at? And this morning I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, I want to ask you this question. Where are you at in your faith journey? You know, is your house built on the rock or is it built on the sand? When the storms come, when the waves come, will you be able to stand? Will you stand or will you not? Throughout this series, I've found it very, very challenging and and thought-provoking. And my prayer is that that it has caused us to reevaluate our lives and, and, and to make some changes as we evaluate, because we're continually called in Scripture to examine our lives. And Jesus brings this whole Sermon on the Mount to a climax in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, where he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Basically what Jesus is saying is, look, if you want to enter the kingdom, do the things that I have instructed you to do here in the Sermon on the Mount. He wraps up the sermon by challenging people to make a choice. Do you want to become citizens of God's kingdom and inherit eternal life? Or do you want to remain citizens of a fallen world and receive eternal damnation, spending eternity in hell. Thus, basically, the two options he's giving. There are no other options. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to be going down through this, this last part. But, you know, as I've been preparing, and something that really is heavy on my heart, and, and that grieves me at times, is, is, is seeing the state of of so many people that attend church that do and say all the right things but 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 their hearts are not right and Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 he says look enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it are many. Did you catch that? You know, the, the, the gate is wide and the road is, is, is wide. And the way is easy. That leads to destruction and many are on it. And some of you this morning are on the wide road. Because it's the easy way. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Verse 14, for the gate is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So Jesus says, look, this Christian life, it's going to be hard. Following me is going to be hard. It's going to be narrow. Only a few people are going to be on that path. He says only a few are going to find it. So which path are you on? Are you on that wide road that's easy and and cushy and and plush and fun and exciting with all of your friends and a whole bunch of other people? 
Or are you on the narrow road that's hard, that causes you to make some tough decisions about the way you live life? You see, Jesus is closing this, inv- this, this sermon with an invitation to enter this narrow gate, this narrow way that leads to life. But he says it's not going to be easy. We have to seek it out. And there are, there are a couple of reasons, I believe, why this gate is narrow and the road is hard. Because you see, there will be false prophets out there, Jesus talks about, that will deceive you. And then there's you, there's me. You see, we deceive ourselves in many cases. So the gate is narrow and, and the way is hard. But that's the true way. So what makes this gate narrow and the way hard? Number one, false prophets. People that are misleading you, preachers and teachers that misguide you and and tell you false truths and, and give you false hope of what salvation really is. And Jesus says in verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, they will be recognized, or you will recognize them by their fruit. So he says, be on your guard. Be in the word. Test what you hear preachers say. Test what I preach. Because that's your responsibility. When you come before the judgment seat, you're not going to be able to say, but this person misled me. It's a responsibility that you have to pick out and and to to call out false prophets. He says you will be able to recognize them because you will test them against what God's word says. That's why it's so critical for you and I to be studying and know what God's word says so that when false prophets come, when false teachings come, we will recognize it. Last week we talked about the need for us to make proper judgments. And there are lots of false teachings out there. Turn on the TV and watch these guys and watch. Not that every guy on TV is a false prophet, but but they they teach us false hope. You know, with with the the coming of the internet, there there are tons of teachings Some are good, some are bad. It's my responsibility to decipher which is true and which is false. So false prophets make the way hard. And the other thing that makes the way hard is us because a false profession makes the way narrow. You see, Jesus moves from the false prophets to the false profession. Go with me to verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, 
Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says, on that day, some will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? It says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I believe Jesus here is talking about people that believed they were, they were Christian, believed that they had made a commitment to Christ, but it was a false profession. So what are the causes of false profession? I believe the first cause of, of, of false profession is a wrong understanding of salvation. You know, we believe that if, if we raise our hand and pray a prayer at some event, then we're saved. You know, we have these warm fuzzies and, and a preacher is talking and we say, well, you know, we, uh, our family this summer went, went to Kings Island to, to, to concerts um, for a couple of days and the one night the speaker gave an invitation for people to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I remember one young man sitting there. He was sitting there, and, and he looked around, and, and, and was, he saw he was getting a little uncomfortable. All of a sudden, he shrugs his shoulders and stands up and makes a profession. Was that a real profession? We have a false view of salvation. Because for so many people, they say they've accepted Christ, but nothing about their lives changes. What about your life changed when Jesus Christ came into your heart? Jesus says in John 8, 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you will really be my disciples. If you continue in my word, if you are obedient... See, there's a change that happens when I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I see way too many people today that, that say, this, say they've made a profession of faith, but nothing about them has changed. What about your life changed when you accepted Jesus Christ? What about your life is different than the guy that works beside you that doesn't know him as his Savior? How are you different? Romans 8 Verse 12 says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature or to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You know, over the last couple of years, I've, I've, I've really began to question. And, and as a parent, you have a great responsibility to question your children who may be at, at, at Bible school or, or, or some church camp. Ask Jesus into their hearts. As parents, we have a responsibility to test them and to make sure that that, that was a genuine profession of faith so as to not give them false hope of their salvation. Another reason, another, I think, reason for false profession is, is we have a failure of self-examination. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. 
Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Have you examined yourself lately? Do you examine yourself on a continual basis? Now, I'm not preaching a works-based salvation. But I am preaching salvation by, by faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. But that requires examination of my heart. You have to look at your heart and the inner motives of your desires. Are they set towards God and his holiness? Or are they set on yourself? If you don't have a longing to be pure and to live holy in your Christian faith, then maybe you don't have a faith. You know, John MacArthur says that a person who has no desire to come to the Lord for continual cleansing has reason to doubt that they have ever come to the Lord to receive salvation. Let me read that to you again. Let me read it. A person who has no desire to come to the Lord for continual cleansing has reason to doubt that they ever came to the Lord to receive salvation. In other words, if you don't care a lick about testing yourself and examining yourself and making sure that you are in the Lord, then maybe you've never received Jesus Christ. Because there's a continual longing for holiness as a believer. It's a continual desire to become more and more like Jesus Christ if we are genuine believers. Now, that looks different for all. A new believer will struggle with different things than a mature believer does. But what it's saying is, is even that young Christian has a hunger to become more like Christ. Do you have a hunger and a desire for holiness? Because to be honest, I don't see that a lot in the church today. A hunger, a real desire to be holy. Examine yourself, 2 Corinthians says. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, before you take communion, you're to examine yourself. Another reason for false profession, I believe, is that we put our faith in religious activity. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we think that going to church, going to a Bible study, listening to Christian, Christian music, watching a little bit of Christian TV every week, that will make me saved. Well, I need to tell you that, that coming to church on Sunday morning will not save you. Listening to Christian music will not save you. Doing good things will not save you. And we have way too many people that believe that religious activity will save. And in our culture, in our Mennonite culture, that is an extremely dangerous belief because we have a very works-based faith. And works will never save you. Works are a result of salvation, and we get that wrong. No amount of church will ever save you. And if you think showing up every Sunday morning for 45 minutes will save you, you're wrong. That's false security. 
false profession. Then we have people that have a do-good mentality. I will do enough good things to outweigh the bad things that I do in my life. So I can go out and I can, I can drink and I can party and I can have sex outside of marriage. I can do all these things, but I will go and I will do good things. I'll go on a mission trip. I'll go to church. I'll serve here. I'll do this. I'll do enough good things that way the way that the scale will tilt in my direction and I will have done enough good in order to, to earn favor with God. That's a wrong view of salvation. You can't do enough good to earn it. Again, verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And what grieves me is, is, is there are some of you here this morning that if you were to stand before him and say, Lord, Lord, he would look at you and say, I never knew you. Because he says, not everyone will enter this heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now remember, in this passage, in this sermon, Jesus is talking to religious people, people who do all the right things, who follow all the rules. But not everyone who is religious will, will make it in, will spend eternity in heaven. So who will enter the kingdom of heaven? Who are the people that will enter? Who are the people that he will look at and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter with me into paradise? Well, in verse 24, he says, everyone who then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house upon a rock. Those are the people that will make it into heaven. Those, those who hear the words and do them. Now, what words is he talking about? He's talking about, remember, we go clear back to the beginning of chapter 5 when Jesus began with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. It's those who, first of all, understand, they hear the word, they're changed by it. But then they, they do something about it. Because the second half, member of the, of the Beatitudes is we, we, first of all, understand our wretchedness, and then we do something about it. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. And then Jesus goes, you know, he goes all through. Um, remember, you have heard it said. And, and, and so he's talking about everything here in the sermon. If you do these things in the sermon, and they're getting not a workspace. It's a result of what God has done in me that gives me a desire to live like this. Verse 25, it says, And the rains fell, and the floods came up, and the winds blew and beat on the house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. 
I love the way in, in, in the book of Luke, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 48. He says, he is like a man building his house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on a rock. You see, this faith that we have, remember Jesus said, only few will find it. Luke says, look, the person that builds his house on a rock, they dig down deep, they work hard to set a good foundation. But Luke says, the, the, the foolish man, all he does is he found, finds a flat place. It's a sandy. He doesn't take much time to think or to process through it. He just builds it so that it's built. He doesn't build a firm foundation. Jesus here gives a picture of two men. Each of them is building a house. One man thinks little about about. Uh, his works, and, and, and so he feverishly builds this house, and he builds it on a house without a foundation. The other man builds his house. He, when, he, when he begins to build, he, he seeks to make sure that he has a good foundation because he knows that's the most important part because when you don't build the house on a firm foundation, it's not going to last so I ask the question again, who is it that will enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, according to Jesus here, it's those who hear the message, who understand the message, and who do something about it. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's pretty simple, I would say. Don't just listen to what I say. Don't just read descriptions and do nothing about it. He says, do what it says. And if you hear it and don't do anything about it, you're kidding yourself if you think that you've inherited eternal life. Jesus says, if you hear it and don't do anything about it, you're deceived. Because James uh, 1.23 then says, anyone who listens to these words but does not do what it says is like a man who looks, in the, looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In other words, if you're not doing anything about it, if you're not doing anything about what you hear and what you read, and it's having no effect on your life, are you really saved? Because I believe if you're not doing it, if it's not having any effect on your life, it will also not affect your, it will, it will not lead to eternity in heaven. 1 John 2, verse 3. I'd like for you to turn there with me. 1 John, it's the book right before, it's the second to last book in the Bible. You've got 1, 2, 3 John, and then Revelation. 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, this is what it says. We know that we have come to know him if what? We go to church regular. We give enough money. We live a good life. What does it say? No, it says, if we obey his commands... The man who says, I know him, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar, and the truth isn't in him. 
Pretty straightforward words from John, I'd say. Look, if you're not doing what he commands, you think you're a believer, you're kidding yourself, you're lying, you're a liar. And in Titus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, it says, To the pure, all things are pure, but those, to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and their conscience are corrupted. Then, then it says, they claim to know God, but their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Do you hear that? When your life doesn't add up, when you're doing what the world is doing, here in Titus it says, if you claim to know God, but your actions deny it, you're detestable. And we believe we can live like the world and show up for church on Sunday morning and be okay. That is not true. You are being deceived. You are deceiving yourself. If you think you can live like that and then the day of judgment comes and he will, then Jesus will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. See, building on the rock is obeying. It's it's, I have to look at my life. I have to examine it. Is, it. is it a life that longs beyond anything else, desires to obey the word of God? Is that how, uh, how I would describe myself? Do I long to serve God? Do I long for holiness? Or is my life more explained like this? I disobey I live a sinful life and I justify it. I'm saved. I'm eternally secure. I can live however I want. Now, I believe that, that I can know that I am going to heaven. I believe I can know that I am saved. And let's not get the two messed up. But to say that, that, that I am saved and then go on living a sinful, disobedient life I'm kidding myself. See, obedience here is the key word. Obedience to his word. John MacArthur says, the only validation you will ever have of your salvation is a life of obedience. It is the only possible proof that you, are, that you really recognize the lordship of Jesus Christ. Obedience is the only validation of your salvation. Because if there is no obedience, then your confessing of Christ is merely a verbal exercise. Where are you at? Are you building your house on the rock? Or have you built on the sand? Because when you look at these two men, there were two men, built similar houses. They maybe both looked exactly the same. And initially, both lived in their homes. Both were comfortable. People probably walked by and said, nice house. Didn't look much different. And just like many of us, our lives look very similar to, to that of, of a believer. It looks a lot like a believer. But Jesus goes on and... and, and 
talks about the storms that come. So, so what about the waves? That's the title of the message. What about the waves? You see, Jesus says there's a day of reckoning coming. One day a storm is going to come. And in this story, a storm did come. And it was obvious which house was built on the rock and which house was built on the sand. And someday there is a divine accounting coming. And when that comes, it will be obvious whose, whose faith is built on the rock and whose faith is false built on the sand. Because God is going to blow the winds of judgment and the rain of judgment. And he will send the flood of judgment. And when he does, some are going to stand, but most aren't. Most will not pass the test of the judgment. You see, the waves of judgment are going to come, and those who have their house, who have who've built their lives on the rock will stand. Are you ready for the waves? Are you ready? Are your children ready for the waves? Are you preparing your children? Are you teaching them how to build their house on a solid foundation? So you ask, how do I prepare for these waves? The first thing I have to do is I have to recognize my desperate need for Jesus because I have a sin problem. You see, the thing that concerns me so much is we have lots of people who say they've been saved before they even have a sense, they don't even know that they're lost. And telling people about Jesus... We can't tell them about Jesus until they understand the need for him. We can, but, but before somebody can accept Jesus Christ, they have to understand their, their wretched state. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, although we are created in Christ's image, Although we are created by God, we are born with a sin problem. Man is not born basically good. We are born evil. We are born sinful like our father Adam was. Once he sinned, sin entered the world. Now we, when we are born, we are born sinful. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You have to understand your need for Jesus then you have to realize that only Jesus can fix this problem. Going to church can't fix your problem. Doing good things can't fix the problem. Romans 3.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have to understand that Jesus is the only solution to my sin problem. And going to church isn't going to fix that. Going to youth group doesn't fix that. Only Jesus takes care of my sin problem. And once I recognize that Jesus is the only one that can fix it, the Bible says I have to confess and believe that he is the only person that can fix that. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There is good news. 
But I have to understand my need for Jesus and, and, and my sinfulness and then confess that Jesus is Lord. It says to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart. Then I will be saved. No questions asked. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on the name of the Lord to save you? Is your house built on a solid foundation? Is it built on Jesus Christ or is it built on religion and good works? Because they make an eternal difference. But then Jesus says, I've got to live that out. Bless this man who does the will of my Father. Are you living out your faith? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for me to do. I have been saved to do good works. I don't do good works to be saved. Let's make sure we have that clear. But there will be something that changes about you. You see, you can't go on living life just like you've always lived it, not making any impact, not sharing your faith. You can't go on living not making a difference if you've accepted Jesus Christ because I've been created to do good works. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Turn there with me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 and we're going to close with this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... In other words, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you've understood your wretchedness, you know that Jesus is the only answer to that wretchedness, and I have confessed with my mouth and believed in my heart that Jesus is Lord. He says, therefore, he will be a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Something about you has changed. You are different. It says, verse 18, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting man's sin against them, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Then in verse 20, Paul says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You see, if you've become a new creation, Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we become his ambassadors. What is an ambassador? An ambassador from our country, they represent us to other countries. We are representatives of Christ. How are you representing him? As a new creation, how are you representing Jesus Christ? Because from what I'm understanding, from what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, throughout the New Testament, that, that when I accept Christ, when I make him Lord and Savior of my life, then I will do the things he commands. I will live the way that he commands me to live. The old nature will no longer have control of me. Now, will I still mess up? Absolutely. That's what examination, that's what the grace of God is for. But I won't live in habitual, continual, sinful pattern of life that I lived before. And if you're still in that sinful pattern, then you need to examine yourself. 
Here's what I want us to do. Mark, if you would just come forward. We're going to close this time this morning with just, just a time of examining ourselves. And this is just something, this is just between you and God. Because coming to him, although it's a, it is a very personal thing, it also needs to be a public thing. But this morning isn't the time for it to be a public thing. This morning is a time for you and God to do business. You see, I don't want anybody leaving here this morning not knowing that when they come before the Lord, because it grieves me to think that any of you would hear the words, away from me, evildoer, I never knew you. That, That makes my heart ache to think that that would happen. So I want you to examine yourself. I want you to ask yourself, is my house built on the rock? Because here's the deal. If your house is built on the rock, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're walking with him, you know that. You know that. And you're not offended by what I've said this morning. If, you, if your house is built on the sand and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, chances are you've been convicted or offended by what I've said this morning. And that's okay. Because God's word at times is offensive. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're not sure where you're at. I just want you to write on here if you know that you know that you are saved. I just want you to write that on here. I know that I know. If you're not, I just want you to write no. I don't. But when you write no, you know, there are consequences to that. Eternal consequences. Hell. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you know, Jesus says it himself. He says, look, if you don't know me, you're not getting in. You're not getting in. Then maybe you just, you you don't know. And you just write on there, you know what, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. Now what you need to do is you need to examine yourself again and ask yourself, you know, just follow those steps. You have to first of all recognize your wretchedness. Recognize that Jesus is the only answer. And then confess, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and says you will be saved. And then you will begin a journey with him. But if you make a commitment this morning to Jesus Christ, I would, also, I would like to know about that or I want you to tell somebody. If you're a young person here um, and this morning you decided it's time, and I want you to talk to your parents about that. I know that I know. I don't know. No, I don't know.
So just, just you know, stand with me. Mark's just going to play. You know, this is the end of the service. Um, but I just want you to take time. To, and, and then just stick this thing in your Bible and keep looking at it this week. And if you know that you know, praise God. And every day thank Him for His goodness and for His saving grace. Stand with me. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we just, we, we, we praise you. I praise you, Jesus, because you loved me enough that you died for me. You gave your life. You gave your best. You gave, you gave everything so that I could have eternal life. I want to build my house on that rock. I know the judgment is coming the waves are coming Lord I want to stand I pray every person here this morning that, that, that their house would be built on a rock but Lord those that aren't I pray that you would, you would just your Holy Spirit would begin to work on them and, and move them and, and, and change them and, and, and Lord that they would, they would believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that you are Lord and today would begin a journey. A life that is built on the rock. And Lord, there are those this morning that don't know, that, that maybe are confused about their faith. And, and, and Lord, um, Lord, I pray, because you are not a God of confusion, I pray that you would, you would reveal to each person exactly where they are at. And, Lord, that we would make the correct course changes. But, Lord, let us examine ourselves. Lord, in the quietness of these moments, I pray that every one of us would, would, would honestly examine ourselves. Lord, we wouldn't kid ourselves into thinking, but we would know that we know. And Lord, there would just be a, a, a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit that would blow over this place and would change us and, 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 and Lord, inspire us to go and tell. Go and tell the good news of, of what Jesus has done in my life. Lord, let us examine honestly where we're at and do what we need to do to make to make those changes it is in Jesus name that I pray amen I hope this morning that you that you take seriously that you do examine your heart and you take this time of quiet as Mark plays and when he feels like we're done um, you know if you feel like you need to leave you know it, it's open but this is time and I think this is one of those mornings where it's just really good that, 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 uh, for us to do business in here. And if you want to talk, that's great, but I'd like ask you to go out in the foyer. And, and, you know, there are some of you that need time to think and to process and to pray. And so let's take that time. Now, right where you're at, if you want to come up here, that's great. But, but let's take time to examine as we close this morning.